What we're going to be looking at this morning is a question. What is a Christian? Pretty basic question, really. What is a Christian? How, what does a Christian look like? What are some of the things that you expect to see in a Christian? I guess asking that question can get many different kinds of answers. I think in our country here, there are all kinds of strange ideas of what it means to be a Christian. For many people, you're a Christian if you're not anything else. Uh, if you're not a Buddhist or a Muslim or whatever, then, oh, then you're a Christian. It's kind of, that's the basic thing. For other people, uh, it, it means someone who's living in the past or uh, all kinds of different ideas. And we're going to look this morning at something in, in the Bible to see what we can learn there about some of the, the clear marks of someone who is a Christian. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, if you want to find that. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Romans 1, verse 9, 10, and 11. It's the Apostle Paul who is writing this letter, and he says, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Just in those few words, Paul's writing a letter to people he's not yet met. He's hoping to see them. Uh, But in those few words, you get some glimpses of Paul's own life, what it meant for him to be a Christian, and also something he says about the people to whom he's writing, what it means for them to be Christians. Uh, And I want particularly to home in on verse 9, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son. Different ways of translating that, it could equally be translated, God whom I worship with my spirit in the good news of his Son. The translators in the version I've used there refer to God whom I serve. He's talking about his life's work and he's serving God. He's also worshipping God. God whom I worship in preaching the gospel. For Paul, serving, working couldn't be thought of separately from worshipping. Everything that he does all day, the way he works, everything he does is done to thank God for what God has done, is done to please God because of what God has done. Paul's life, as we know, had been radically changed. He had thought he was pretty good until he's confronted with Jesus. And he realizes that this name that he's heard about, and it has to be said, this name that he had hated, he realizes that Jesus is actually alive. Not just a name, not just an idea, but someone who is alive. Paul met Jesus, or to put it more accurately, Jesus met Paul. At that moment, everything in Paul's life changed. He realized how wrong he had been. And I guess then just the the hugeness of how wrong he had been really broke through to him. And he realized that Jesus really had died, 
and been raised and was alive. Everything changed for Paul when he committed himself at that moment to Jesus. We've heard testimonies this morning of the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus had made a difference to his life such that now, whatever he's doing, he's doing it to serve God. Or to put it another way, whatever he's doing, he's doing it to worship God. For him, worshipping God isn't just something that happens on a Sunday. It's not just something that happens if he gets some time by himself to maybe sing a few songs. It's something that's his life. Everything he does, he is doing to please God. Everything he does, he is doing to say thank you to God. So what is a Christian? A Christian is someone whose life has been totally changed where the center of everything now is God. The center of everything is the grace of God, the wonderful mercy of God that has been shown in Jesus Christ. See, some people have different attitudes to how we spend our time. Some people, at one extreme, kind of worship their job. Their job is everything to them. Their job Uh, is so central that everything else gets sacrificed for their job. And so we see sad cases of marriages breaking down because someone is just focused on their job. Children get ignored because they're focusing on, the, the parents are focusing on their job. Some people worship their job. At the other end of the spectrum, there are people who, they've got work, but they basically are bored with it. They resent it, and their whole idea is, let's see how little I can do and get away with it. There are two extremes, people who worship their job, people who really, well, they resent it. For Paul, he doesn't worship his job, nor does he resent it. He worships God in what he does, and everything he does, he does for God. Now, his particular job, of course, was to preach the gospel, but he also had a day job. He was involved in making tents. But whatever he's doing, he's worshipping God. So a Christian is someone who sees their whole life as lived before God. If you're at school, if you're at university, if you're studying, if you're in employment, if you're parenting, your work around the house, whatever, everything is done with God in view. It changes how you do things. It changes how you live. And Paul says, God whom I serve with my whole heart, or it could be translated, with my spirit. What it's saying is that he doesn't just go through the motions, but his heart is in whatever he does because he's doing it for God. God looks for people who will worship him, not just going through the motions, but worship him in spirit and in truth. And for Paul, that's how he lives. He's not fitting God in to an already crowded diary. He's, he's not got this strange idea that you sometimes hear people talking about that there's a kind of God-shaped hole in his life. And God fills that. God doesn't just fill a God-shaped hole. God fills everything. All of life is his. God, whom I serve with my whole heart. Whatever a Christian finds to do, Uh, You might think, is this really true? But the Bible, I'm sure, teaches this. Whatever a Christian finds to do, they do it for God. And they do it with their whole heart. Christians are the best people to employ. 
Do you know that? That ought to be, uh, we're not allowed to say it, of course, in our country, but it ought to be on every job advert, Christians preferred. <laughs> because a Christian does whatever they do for God. They're working to serve God. They're not just looking to see, is anyone watching? No, God's watching. And they say, Father, this is for you. And they do the best job they can. Where's my whole heart? What's a Christian? Someone whose life has been totally changed. Where God is central. Not fitting God in, among other things, but everything offered to him. So he says, God whom I serve with my whole heart. Then he mentions specifically what God has given him to do. He says, in preaching the gospel of his son. So his particular role is to preach. And what he does, he is doing for God. And what he does, he is doing with his whole spirit. This good news, this gospel about Jesus thrills him. And he is talking about Jesus all the time. But He's writing to people, and we were looking at this last time we were together, he's writing to people who also, they're doing all kinds of different day jobs, whatever they're doing, their faith in God is known everywhere. A genuine Christian is someone who has got a message to tell. They've got something they cannot keep quiet about. A genuine Christian is not someone who's got a secret to hide. Sometimes I hear people who claim to be Christians and they say something like this. Got into a conversation with some of my friends and then they look all embarrassed. They say, and it came out that I'm a Christian. Oh, I was so embarrassed. What? This is not a secret to hide. This is good news to share. A genuine Christian wants people to know about Jesus. He says... God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. It was dangerous for Paul to speak about Jesus. He ended up, as a prisoner, he ended up killed because he believed in Jesus. He couldn't keep quiet. He would not keep quiet because Jesus was central to him. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone for whom Jesus Christ is central in their lives. Everything is changed and they speak about him. Not embarrassed, not hoping no one asks, what did you do on Sunday? But actually the opposite, hoping someone will ask. Because they want to talk about Jesus. Because he's central. And then he says, God is whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be opened for me to come to you. Paul is a guy who preaches and is also a guy who prays. And he's saying, I'm praying constantly for you. And that's not just an empty claim. He says, God's my witness that that is true. I'm praying all the time for you. So another thing we can say about a genuine Christian is that they've got a relationship with God. And because they've got a relationship with God, they talk with him. A genuine Christian is someone who prays. Someone who can't keep quiet about God, talking about him, but also talking to him. We can get very hung up on this whole thing of prayer. Maybe there are young Christians here 
who find prayer difficult because you don't know what to say and you don't know what words to use. And you hear other people praying out maybe here on Sunday and they're using words that you don't really fully understand and you think, I couldn't do that. Well, if you can talk, and you probably can, then you can talk to your Heavenly Father. And you don't need special words. You don't need to be complicated. But it's, you've got a Father now who you know loves you. And He's with you all the time. And wherever you are, all the time, you can talk to Him. And Paul says, constantly, I'm praying. Not just set prayer times, but constantly. Because we don't have to pray out loud all the time. God knows our hearts, so we can pray inside. But It's relationship with God. God is no longer out there. God is here with me. And because of that relationship, we talk. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone then who's got totally changed priorities. They live their life for God. Their whole heart is in everything they do. They love to talk about Jesus. And they love to talk to Jesus. But then Paul goes on. It's not just, you see, about making a commitment to God. Other things also happen. He says, I long to see you, verse 11, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. We can sometimes give the impression that the big thing we really want for people, and this is true, but partly true, we can give the impression the big thing that we want for people is we want them to make a commitment That's the expression we use. What we mean by that is, we want them to become a Christian. And now that is absolutely true. But that can give rise to some misunderstandings. Just imagine that you needed to make it to Sheffield Railway Station, or train station, whichever you call it. You need to make it to the station 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. You've got a train to catch. You set out for the station, but 9 o'clock, Monday morning, it's difficult. And the road you're on, all roads roads lead into the center of Sheffield, but all roads are pretty congested at that time in the morning. You you want to be there at 9 o'clock. You hit a queue of traffic. You're thinking, am I going to get there? And whichever way, sometimes there's a bit of a burst of speed and there's suddenly more hold-ups. And then there's some road works. And you're, you're thinking, will I make it? Will I make it? Finally, you can't believe, but at nine o'clock, you make it to the station. You, great relief, you get into the building, and phew, you made it. You find a seat, you sit down, and you think, ah, I didn't think I was going to do it. Now, come on, that is not why you're there. You're there to get on a train because there's a journey. When you become a Christian, there can be a lot of stress, as Sam was sharing about how he became a Christian. He's talking about all the unanswered questions, all the, all the things he doesn't understand, things that just seem odd. But he, he's asking questions, and it can, it can get stressful, and he's tempted. Shall I, shall I go back to cannabis? Or, and all, these, all, all the stresses of, that go towards making a commitment. And then finally, the decision's made. And you think, oh, at last... And you can kind of sit down and think, made it. No, that's the start of a journey. It's not making a commitment. That's important, 
but it brings you in to something that goes on and on. There's a journey beginning at this point. It's not, you haven't reached the goal, you have reached the starting point. And so Paul here is speaking to people who have reached the starting point, but he knows God has got more for them. God has always got more for us. When we come into Christ, we come into a new life. At the start of this letter, Paul, and we've looked at this in in previous weeks, but Paul speaks about Jesus who was appointed Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus had been Son of God in weakness. The sort of person who could be ill-treated. The sort of person who could actually be nailed to a cross. Son of God in weakness. He, He was the victim in the hands of cruel people. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he is no longer son of God in weakness. He's son of God in power. All power is his. And he ascends to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, reigning over everything for his people. He's declared son of God with power by his resurrection. He is our savior. So he opens up to us a whole new way of living, a whole new level of expectation of what can happen, that we are in one who's got all power. And so a whole new life opens up. A new age has come for those who are in Christ. We're we're living in the same old world, but we're living in the same old world with a... And yet, actually, we're in a whole new world because we know God. And not only knowing God, but he's given his spirit who is in us. So the one who's got all power is with us and in us. We know God. We know his power. We know the spirit. We've got eternal life. It's all new. Now, Paul is saying to these people he hasn't yet met. He's hoping to come to them. He says, I want to visit you. And his reason for saying that isn't just that he's always wanted to go to Rome. It's not that he wants to see all the magnificent buildings in Rome. All those magnificent buildings, and just a few years later, Nero is going to burn down. He's not saying, I want to get there and see it all. He says, I want to see you so that I can impart to you a spiritual gift to make you strong. He wants to see God do more for them. Now, what's he talking about here? There are some people who look at that and say, well, of course, what he can't mean is what he appears to be saying. What he appears to be saying is that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. And there are some people who say, no, he can't actually mean that because the only one who can give spiritual gifts is God himself. No person can do that. And so, obviously, he's not saying he wants to do that. But wait a minute. Before we dismiss what it says, we have to look at what it says. And he's saying very clearly, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Did he really mean that? Well, if you look at what he wrote to his young friend Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and uh, in verse 14, 
Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. People laid, men laid hands on Timothy and a gift got imparted to him. And then in his second letter to Timothy, in chapter 2 and verse 6, uh, so chapter 1 and verse 6, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul says there, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul had placed his hands on Timothy, prayed over him, and God had put a gift in that young man. And what Paul fears is that Timothy is kind of neglecting that. And so Paul says to Timothy, Fan into flame the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. That's Paul's understanding. He knows that God has given him something and he knows that he can lay hands on people and God will give them something. That's, that's clear from what he says to Timothy. So let's read it back into Romans chapter 1. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. He wants to get amongst them And he wants to see God blessing them. He wants to be able to lay hands on people so gift comes to them. Because God has got more for us. And what he's saying is not that he wants to see kind of exciting things happening. He's not just saying he wants people to have exciting experiences. He says, I want to see you strong. You see, it's not just arriving at commitment. It's arriving at the start of a new, exciting journey. A journey where we're growing, where we're getting to know God better, where spiritual gifts start to operate in our lives. And the Bible speaks about those gifts. The Bible speaks about laying hands on the sick and they're healed. It speaks about God giving messages, prophecies that we can speak. God speaking to people. It speaks about a whole variety of different gifts to make us strong. That's what God's aim is, that we don't just, we're not just left living by the kind of abilities we've got and maybe not got much education. We never did too well at school. We don't read much. We think, what have I got to offer? God wants to put gifts into people, spiritual gifts, that are not the result of education, Not the result of our upbringing, but the result of God coming on us. And that can be children as well as adults. God coming on us, bringing gifts into our lives, and so God does things through us. Paul wants to see that happening. He says, I'm longing to see you so that I can impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. God wants us not just to stay at the start point, but to grow And to get strong. In writing later on to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul prays a similar kind of thing. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the same thing. Paul wants them to be strong. He says, I'm praying that God will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And what Paul wanted for the Ephesians and what Paul wanted for the Romans, God wants for you now. 
God wants for people to have power through the Holy Spirit coming to them so that they're able to do things that they were not previously able to do. Now, at that point, we can start getting worried. And some people do get very worried when we start talking like that. They get worried when they see us maybe lay hands on people and sometimes when God impacts someone, they fall over. Not that they particularly thought, I think I have a lie down, but it just happens. They suddenly, their legs kind of give way and they're on the ground. They're enjoying God, but that happens. Other people can shake or all kinds of things happen and others can look and think, this is all getting out of hand. I don't like this. And they can think, it's it's just kind of experiences. What's the point of this? And surely we can just know God with our minds. We don't need any of this. We're not into just experiences. We're not into just funny things happening. We don't even encourage funny things to happen. But when the living God touches frail human beings, things happen. But the aim is to make you strong. To make you strong. God working in us. I remember years back now, I was in a meeting where a guy was talking about some of the miracles that he'd seen happening, some of the miracles he'd been involved in. He was talking about healing. He was talking about amazing things. And it just seemed, the way he was talking, like wherever he went, amazing things happen, and you're kind of listening to this, and you're thinking, wow, you know, this is amazing. And then, this, just a small group of us, he's talking to us, and then one of the group said, when he'd finished talking, he said, you know, would you pray for me? And the guy says, sure. So this guy stands up and just moves forward. The guy prayed for him, and he fell over. Boom, the power of God hit him. And then there's a group, there's probably about 12 of us, and I'm watching this, and uh, nothing like that had ever happened to me. And as far as I was aware, things like that didn't happen to me. And then someone else, when this is, he's been praying for someone else, so would he pray for me? And eventually, I think, you know, there's 12 of us in the room, 11 have been prayed for, and uh, they are all lying on the floor in different positions because God's power has touched them. And you kind of then feel a bit exposed when you're the last one standing. Um, and I'm thinking, well, it's, you know, things like that don't happen to me. And, you know, so I, I was, it's not that there was kind of emotionalism or whatever, because I just do not believe it happens. But I'm left. So I said to him somewhat reluctantly, uh, would you pray for me? And I think this is going to be so embarrassing because I'm just going to stand here and nothing's going to happen because it doesn't happen to me. And as I'm then lying there on the floor, (laughs) I'm thinking, what put me here? And I'm thinking, you idiot, you didn't. And I thought, wait a minute, why can't I stand up then? (laughs) And And I realized it was God. And then some prophecies came to me. And I'm not going to say about that, but some prophecies were brought to me, and I I knew God was speaking right into my life and giving faith for things that he intended to do. God's power to make you strong. It's not the fact of falling over is neither here nor there. It doesn't matter whether you fall over or not. The fact of shaking or any of those other things, they don't matter. The important thing is 
We move on. God is the focus of our life. Everyday experiences changed by him. We love to talk about him. We love to talk to him. And we want more of him. And Paul says, I want to see you. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. He says, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. To be amongst people who are believing God is just so encouraging. Paul wants to see them. He's full of faith for them. And he wants to encounter their faith so that together they get built up. Going to church isn't just about going to church. Going to church is about being amongst people who are believing God. And when you're amongst people who are believing God, then your faith grows. And as your faith grows, you want more from him and you believe for more from him. So what's a Christian? A Christian is someone who has come into something totally new. It's unlike anything else. It's not just about attending church. It's not just about believing a few things. It's not just about making a commitment. It's about starting a journey. A journey that just goes on and on of new things happening and new power coming, new experiences of God as we grow strong in him. Now, of course, the time can come when we feel we have grown up. We feel we've reached maturity. And we can come to this place of maturity where we feel kind of satisfied with things, possibly even cynical about things. We've reached a point. No longer perhaps hungry for God. We can remember how once we were, but now we've grown up. In the early days, a lot of zeal, but not now. We're mature. And so we come to a place where we've got memories, but not many ambitions. We can look back at what has happened, but we don't really look forward to what will happen. We've grown up. Paul wants to come to this group of Christians there in Rome. They are people of faith. Their faith is known everywhere. Yeah, they've grown up. But what he says in verse 15, we didn't read this, but just look at it now. In verse 15, he says, that's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Paul wants to come to these believers and preach the gospel to them. Normally, we think of preaching the gospel to people who don't yet know God. He wants to come to people who do know God and preach the gospel to them. Now, what's he talking about here? Christians need to have the good news preached to them because the good news awakens faith. And people who have become satisfied, even, dare we say, cynical, need to hear God's good news. And God's good news awakens appetite, awakens faith, awakens desire for God. And Paul says, I want to come and preach good news to you. Yeah, they're, they're Christians. They've been Christians for years, perhaps. But they need more. Really mature Christians are people who are always growing, always looking to the future wanting more. We need to, to receive from God. We need to believe God. So what is a Christian? 
That's the question we started with. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who by faith in Jesus, having repented of their sin, believed in Jesus, received him as saviour, they are transferred out of one existence into a whole new way of living. What happened before that was just existing. Now it's living. It's living with God, where suddenly the things you do every day are with God and for God. Where God is so real to you, you love to speak about him. And he's so real to you, you love to speak to him. And you're hungry for more. And as you open yourself to God, God comes with more. And you're growing. Growing strong. A real Christian is someone through whom, who Jesus is, shines out to other people. The things he does, the things he says. Are you a real Christian? We had that thing at the start about the real thing. God is the real thing. The question is, are you the real thing? Just appearing to be a Christian? Are you Pepsi instead of Coke? You look like the real thing, but you're not really. Now, the real thing, the real Christian is someone whose life is just taken over by God and they love him and can't have enough of him. Is that you?